Australia Explained, keeping you on top of all things down under. In this episode of Australia Explained, we break down public broadcasting in Australia, how it's funded and what it means for news journalism. Hello everyone, my name is Tanya Ragusa. And I'm Vanessa de Grazia. And welcome back to another episode of Australia Explained. We'd like to start by acknowledging that I'm recording this podcast on the lands of the Wurundjeri people. And I'm recording the podcast on the lands of the Gadigal people. We're separated today. We are, and we both pay our respects to the Elders past, present and future. So, another lockdown, for me anyway. So we're back to our Zoom recording, but luckily this is how we birthed our podcast. So it's quite usual, it's quite normal for us to be doing this. Yeah, we're back to basics. We're back to basics. <laughs> I always go back to basics. And if you haven't listened to our very first episode, which feels like a lifetime ago that we began this podcast, go back and listen to that right now. Pause this episode, go back and listen. Um, we'll include a link in the show notes to make it easier for you because essentially in that episode we gave you an overview of news media ownership in Australia and if you hear people talking about Rupert Murdoch um, or they worry about the dodginess of the Australian media landscape or anything in that sphere go give that episode a listen because today we're moving on to a certain section of the Australian news media and that is public broadcasters. Yeah, so to steal a stat from that other media episode we were talking about, out of the 30 top media platforms in Australia, only two of them are publicly owned. So the other 27 are owned by $3 billion companies, the vast majority by Murdoch himself. And out of these three, two are public broadcasters. So that's the ABC and SPS. The ABC was the original public broadcaster created in the 30s, and then SPS was added in 1978 to cater for Australia's multilingual population. Now, let's take a quick moment to explain exactly what the difference is between a public and private broadcaster. So private broadcasters have the sole goal of making a profit, that, and that's not trying to put any type of negative spin on it. At the end of the day, they are a business, and they're here to make cash whereas public broadcasters are funded by the government and thus they have no need to make money. The point of a public broadcaster is to help preserve our healthy democracy. So if you have a bunch of media companies that are all trying to make money, there's no guarantee that they're not going to be biased and publish articles that aren't going to hurt their profits. Yeah, exactly. And with public broadcasters, that problem doesn't exist because they're not trying to make money. They're just trying to provide news. And then some people might wonder, though, won't the public broadcaster just publish whatever the government wants? And it's really important to distinguish that it's not a state-owned media. Like, it's funded by the government, but they're funded regardless of what they publish. Well, Mm. they're supposed to be anyway. Um, So that's the short answer. And the long answer to that question is basically the rest of the episode that we're going to talk about this. Now, we're not going to spend much of this episode discussing why public broadcasters are important because we've already had a lengthy discussion about public and independent media in our first episode, Whose News Is It Anyway?, This time we're going to be chatting about how public broadcasting has changed over time, particularly how current and previous governments are weakening these media organisations. So let's get started. Firstly, Vanessa, let's talk about funding for public broadcasters. Funding, fun. 
So we had a new budget delivered a couple of weeks ago and $58 million was handed out to the media sector. So SBS got $30 million. The Newswire service AAP, which if you don't know what the AAP is, we also talk about it in that first episode, they got $15 million. Community broadcasting, just like smaller radio, TV kind of thing, got $8 million, And the media regulator got four point two. So notice that we didn't mention the ABC, and that's because the ABC is actually losing funding. So they're losing around $10 million. And when Tony Abbott was elected as the first PM of this phase of Liberal governments for what seems like a decent amount of time ago now, he made a promise that there would be no cuts made to the ABC. Hmm. And if we look back at how this fits into the budget more generally, 2020 and 2021 have been about spending money to boost the economy and deal with our ongoing health crisis. So you might justify this spending cut to the ABC, saying that we need to be putting our money elsewhere right now. However, the excuse of COVID doesn't really play out here because in the last four years alone, funding for the ABC has decreased from $1.13 billion to $870 million. So that is a numerical decrease of $260 million. And considering funding is actually supposed to be increased at an index rate every year, that realistically amounts to be much more money lost. Yeah, and this hasn't been weighed out by the more money going to the other public media. Um, The SBS and community broadcasters did get slight increases, but not at all to make up for what the ABC lost. So we have to look at this and think, why exactly is the government cutting funding to the ABC? You know, I like to say to my students that there are a lot of issues in Australian society, but there are never any new ones. They're always the same ones back again. And this is no exception because funding to public media has been debated since its inception in the 30s. And we'll run you through some of the different perspectives on it now. Yep. So the government justifies these funding cuts by saying that ABC isn't efficient enough with with its funding. So the government thinks that they give the ABC too much money for what the broadcaster produces. And if they give them less, um, the ABC will realise that there's more than enough money to make do. And it's an age-old perspective of government workers in general that they're so secure in their income that they're lazy and do less work in comparison to, say, the Herald Sun um, that needs to work hard to make a profit. And the exact quote from the current government is that it's not easy to see how much money the ABC really needs and how much fat there is, fat meaning wasted money. Yeah, so they think they're giving the ABC too much money and the ABC is just playing around with it and wasting taxpayer dollars. But the public broadcasters disagree and they say that they really do need that funding to be able to run their service properly. So after last year's budget cut, 230 jobs were lost at the ABC and a program that helps independent media outlets like ours um, develop was also cut by a hefty amount. So public broadcasters claim that these cuts boil down to the fact that the government doesn't see the value of public journalism and perhaps even sees it as a threat. And although Australia's Liberal and Labor parties are really quite similar politically, when we look at economics, the Libs tend to stick to the idea that government-funded industries are unproductive and we're better off relying on the private market, for example, Seven News, The Herald Sun, etc., to give us our news. And this is the Liberal Party's economic outlook springing into action, essentially. Mm. And the fact that highlighted this for me was that in 2017, 
the government made a fabulous decision to pour some funding into screening women's sports in order to pump up the value that it had amongst Aussies. But instead of going to a public outlet like the ABC so that everyone can view it, it gave $40 million over a couple of years to News Corp to screen it on Foxtel, which is only available to people who pay for that. So this kind of discredits the argument that it's about the ABC being unproductive. You know, why give funding to a private company instead of a public broadcaster to do the exact same thing? Seems a bit counterintuitive. Yeah, it's such an odd decision. Like, it's great to screen women's sport, but why would you do it to a subscription service rather than your public broadcaster? That makes no sense. So what are public broadcasters doing in response? So the catalyst for me wanting to write this whole episode was seeing this tweet by Osman Faruqi, and he commented that he thought it was odd that the ABC had started putting ads on their podcasts when it was probably in their best interest to maintain the idea to young people that the ABC was still entirely publicly funded. And this kind of jolted me because I was one of those people who thought it was entirely publicly funded. You know, we've explicitly said so on this podcast in our other media episode. Um, And as mentioned earlier, that's what makes the ABC so trustworthy is that it owes nothing to any corporation giving it advertising revenue. However, due to these funding cuts, that's not necessarily the case anymore. Yeah. And going into some technicalities, the ABC is not allowed to advertise, but SBS is allowed to do so. Try figure that one out. However, (laughs) moving into the digital age, there are no restrictions on the ABC from earning money from third-party platforms such as Spotify, YouTube, etc. So while they can't stream ads on ABC iView or on radio or television, they are beginning to rack up a fair chunk of their revenue from these third-party sponsorships. And when the government was in talks with tech giants Facebook and Google, which we discussed in our episode Bye Bye Google, about paying for digital content, the ABC was at the forefront ready to work in opposition to Canberra and take the tech company's money for exclusive access. And as usual, we've dived deep into the boring documents so that you don't have to. We're very good at doing that for you guys. We got your back. (laughs) Um, So the ABC's annual report from 2020 stated that $30 million in revenue was from what was listed as other sources, which I say like in quotes, because other sources essentially means advertising revenue. It's not coming from the government. It's not coming from merchandise. It's coming from ads. And of course, this number pales in comparison to the $879 879 million provided by the government. It's around 3.5% of it. But as it stands, even though this 30 million isn't too much, and we still can definitely rely on the ABC as our most trustworthy source of news that is fulfilling their duty in providing content to a hugely diverse Australia. But if this trend continues, as funding continues to get pulled, we will start to have a bit of a problem on our hands. And that's because if the ABC is forced to cater to advertising partners and their points of view, it will grow the programs that earn that revenue and pull back on those that don't. So that means third-party programs such as podcasts and short videos that appeal to young adult masses that live in the cities will be prioritised, whereas content content for regional areas, children and TV and radio will dramatically plummet. And it's not 
hard to see what the issue is here. Australia is a big country and the ABC is supposed to guarantee that every single citizen on our soil can access a healthy, balanced um, news on local, national and global issues. So it's supposed to bring us those uniquely Australian stories. And this is what Australia needs, especially now, amongst what is slowly becoming a political minefield of a media landscape. Yeah, the last thing our democracy needs is for people to be relying on things like Facebook for news updates because the ABC no longer bothers to cover what's happening in their area. Um, So it could be very dire in that sense. It's already a trend that we're starting to see. A large proportion of people are starting to get their news from social media. So we want to ensure that the ABC is supported so that they can continue to do so in a fair and balanced way. Okay, so what does this all mean for news media moving forward? Okay, so we've been very negative. We've painted a very (laughs) dire picture, but do not fret too much. We want to point out that the ABC isn't the be-all and end-all. Like We want to stress that it is important to have a well-funded public broadcaster, but we as Australians should be able to read the news and find a measured approach ourselves. And we've said it so often on this pod, but it's really simple. Read widely. Switch up your news sources. We'll post something actually on Instagram to show where on the political spectrum different Aussie media outlets sit, but go follow a couple of publications that are completely opposite to your beliefs. It might shock you at first, but it will benefit you in ways that you can't imagine. Yeah, and it'll open your eyes to different viewpoints and you can start to pick up on trends. It's hugely beneficial. Also moving forward, Labor leader Anthony Albanese has promised if he's elected, he will reverse cuts to the ABC. This is hopeful, but thinking back to Tony Abbott saying the same thing when he was elected, I hope Albanese can stay true to his word. We know uh, campaign campaign promises leading up to an election are always a little bit weary. Um, and I think as well, the Labor Party is currently going through a bit of an identity crisis. There's a lot of discussion about Labor losing touch of its traditional party values and who they represent. And a poll back in 2014 showed even back then people felt as if the Labor Party was losing touch with the ordinary person who they're typically meant to represent. So I think maybe reversing the ABC cards could potentially be a step in the right direction to ensure that every ordinary person out there is represented within the news media cycle. But that is a big one to watch out for. And now it's time for our recommendations, Vanessa. So what have you got for me today? This is a fun recommendation. So I'm going to recommend my favorite show on ABC iView, which I think I may have recommended before, but I don't really care. Um, <laughs> it's called You Can't Ask That. And they interview groups of marginalized or misunderstood Aussies and they ask them viewer submitted questions. So there's episodes on people with HIV, firefighters, murderers, asylum seekers, so many different groups of people. And it's super interesting shows the importance of public broadcasting representing a range of voices and it's also like free to sign up and watch. Yeah, I love that one. I watch it all the time. Going off your idea, I'm going to also recommend one of my favourite ABC products and that is a podcast called Rear Vision. And funnily enough, it's it's very similar to what we do but slightly more academic. Rear Vision takes big issues and looks quite deeply into the historical context to understand how these things came about 
Um, also on a global context, we focus specifically on Australia, but they take on a wide range of issues across the world, everything from the Palestinian conflict, um, US voting politics, to even things such as space and Pentecostalism. Um, and in a way, I feel like Rear Vision is our big sister um, <laughs> in what they do. So definitely check that one out. And that's it from us today. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Definitely feels like a bit of a full circle moment from our first episode. Let us know what you think. We're always interested to hear your thoughts, especially on the nature of our news media landscape. In the meantime, follow us for more short, sweet and simple Aussie content on Instagram at Australia Explained Pod. As always, all of the sources from this episode will be available in the show notes for you to check out. We will see you in two weeks' time. Bye, everyone. Bye.